Hello, romance book lovers. Welcome or welcome back to Tales from the Heart. I'm Jenna Hart, and each week I post new episodes from my stories of crime and passion. Right now we're listening to Deadly Valentine, book one of the Valentine Mysteries. This week is episode 13, chapters 30 and 31, where we learn the fallout from Tessa's decision to end her professional and personal relationship with Jack, plus get new information regarding was where in the house the night someone offed Asa Worthington. If you're eager to follow along or get a bit ahead, you can download the entire ebook for free at jennahart.com. Never miss the mystery or romance by hitting the subscribe button. And remember, all the details and links you might need are just a click away in the description. Now snuggle up, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Chapter 30 You look like you could use coffee, Regina said when Tess entered the office Monday morning. In fact, I'll get you the pot. Apparently, the concealer didn't work, Tess thought as she made her way to her desk. Can you come in for a minute, Reg? Regina perched herself in a chair, waiting for instructions. Are you all right? You don't look so good? Long weekend. Tess wished she had the coffee if only to delay the inevitable. I have something important to discuss with you. Okay. I'm not going to be able to stay in business if things don't turn around quickly. I can't afford the drop in my client base. Regina nodded but didn't seem worried. Surely she understood that without business, Tess wouldn't be able to keep her as an employee. I've tried to solve the problem. I've called everyone, but it may be too little too late. Mr. Valentine has to be worth more than all those guys. No wonder Regina didn't look worried. She thought Jack was the knight in shining armor who would make it all better. Actually, I don't represent Mr. Valentine anymore. Why? I told him I couldn't. She arched a brow. You fired the one big client we've got for all the little clients? Put that way, Tess had to agree that it wasn't a smart move. I know it sounds nuts, but I can't expect to make a living and pay your salary on one big client. You know what they say about putting all your eggs in one basket. Regina pursed her lips. Well, it explains the dark circles. He didn't take it well, I guess. He took it fine. It's when I told him I couldn't associate with him personally that he got upset. Tess hadn't meant to say that much. Regina was her employee, not her confidant. By associate, you mean date, right? Regina shook her head. Why would you do that? To appease the clients. Save your job. What part of without clients the business would close and she'd be out of work? Was she not understanding? You chose your career over happiness? Tess sighed. Regina had an even more disastrous history with men, and yet she still believed in happily ever after. I was happy in my career. You said was. You're not happy now? Right now. My career is teetering on the edge of annihilation. If I can get it back on track then I'll be happy again. Why not choose both? She said it like it was a no-brainer. I can't have both. That's why we're talking. I want you to be aware that I'm committed to saving this business. I'd have chosen the man. Regina sat back in her chair. Tess got the impression that any admiration Regina had for her was gone. You do understand that if I don't have a business, you don't have a job? Regina shrugged. Sure. You're not concerned that I'm worried about being able to afford you. Regina shifted in her chair. I need to convince our clients to come back. Why would you want them? Dumping you because of who you date is stupid. Idiots are what Jack had called them, but they both were right. That may be, but those stupid people help pay your bills. I'm going to do everything I can, but if I can't fix this, I want you to know that I've been making inquiries to other firms. I don't want you to worry. Okay, thanks. Tess frowned. You don't seem to grasp the gravity of the situation. I'm not worried. There are lots of other people in town who need a lawyer. New people who won't care about the almighty Worthingtons. 
You should know that. You help a lot of people who wouldn't care about that. Pro bono doesn't pay your bills either, Tess said. So there are still others. They're the ones who stayed. Tess determined it was useless to convince Regina that the situation was boarding on dire. I just wanted to explain the situation. I'm committed to fixing this. Regina's eyes widened in what looked like panic. Finally, Tess thought, she gets it. You didn't fire Mr. Valentine just for me, did you? For my job? Tess hadn't expected that. Not specifically. Because I don't want that on me. She waved her hands, her long nails flashing like red rubies. I won't come between true love. Back to that. How exasperating Regina was being. It's not on you. Because I don't need this job. Regina stopped herself. I see. No, I mean... Regina blew out a breath. You know how some of your free clients give you gifts as a way to pay? Yes. It had been such a hassle. So much junk. But she couldn't say no. Her pro bono clients were poor, but proud. She couldn't take away the sense that they'd paid for her services. So she'd accepted their gifts, most of which were piled in a closet. Remember how I sold some on eBay? Tess nodded. She'd been surprised that Annie had sold, but she didn't keep it. Although it wasn't much, she'd donated whatever was made back to legal aid. I figured if that junk could sell, perhaps some of my junk would sell. And it did. She sounded surprised by the fact. So I found other stuff. Kids' clothes sell really good. You've been moonlighting on eBay? Tess asked. Regina gave a sheepish smile. Yes. I've nearly paid all my debt and I'm thinking of saving for a house. But if I had to live on it, I probably could. So if you want Mr. Valentine... Wait, you're making enough money on eBay to live on? Tess couldn't believe what she was hearing. For the first time in days, she felt a lightness of spirit. When Tess had met her, Regina was struggling to raise her two girls, take on a deadbeat father, and try to make a living. But in a couple of years, she'd blossomed into a confident, accomplished woman. Tess felt guilty for not noticing sooner. Not quite, but I only do it a few hours a night after the kids are in bed. If I didn't have a job, I'd have more time and could probably make more. So this job is holding you back? No, no. Tess smiled. Regina, I can't tell you how unbelievably proud I am of you. You're an entrepreneur. Regina's smile was tentative. I am? Yes. Are you operating as a sole proprietor? Yes. I was saving to hire you to help me with an LLC. Tess rolled her eyes. You don't have to hire me. I do? That's silly. You're the one that puts the papers together in the first place. Oh, right. Then again, I need the work. Tess said. Regina was about to respond but was interrupted by the phone. But I still work for you. She stood and picked up the receiver to Tess's phone. Tess Madison's office. She paused, then said, Please hold, and I'll see if she's available. She pressed the hold button with one two-inch-long red acrylic nail decorated with pink and white hearts for Valentine's Day. Thinking of Valentine's Day sent another painful pinch to Tess's heart. She wouldn't have her Valentine. It's Brad Chancellor. One guess why he was calling. Tess swallowed the pain. I'll take it. Regina handed Tess the phone. Line one. Then she left the office. This is Tess Madison. What the hell is wrong with you? Tess pulled the phone away from her ear, looking at the receiver half expecting to see Brad reaching through the phone to throttle her. Excuse me. She said when she felt her hearing was safe. What the hell is wrong with you? His clipped voice repeated but at a lower decibel. You dumped me because I couldn't give you the fairy tale. I broke it off with you because you don't like women. And then you have a guy who'll give you all that and more and you dump him too. What's wrong with you? Not wanting to get into it with Brad, Tess said... Did you call with the name of a new lawyer? No. 
I'm calling expecting you tell me that it was a big mistake and that you're on your way right now to beg him to take you back. I can't do that. Sure you can. You plead temporary insanity, grovel if you have to, and then kiss and make up. How odd to have her ex-fiancé trying to talk her into getting back together with his boss. If it wasn't painful, it might be funny. This really isn't your business. Yes, it is. I've got a boss who's in a pisser mood occupying my office to distract himself from the broken heart you gave him. I want my office back, Tess. So this is about you? It's always about me, but it's about Jack, too. Jesus, Tess, I think you broke him. Tess didn't want to hear that. Couldn't hear it. She'd made her choice, and while she regretted hurting Jack, she knew she'd made the right decision. Didn't she? Even if she hadn't broken up with Jack now, eventually he'd move on. Everyone else had. Her father, Brad, even Daniel and Helen. She'd made the right choice. In the end, she was saving them both from greater pain by ending things sooner. Are you there, Tess? Yes. Do you have a new lawyer for him? She couldn't even bring herself to say his name. Why are you doing this? Jack is a bigger client than all your clients put together. So Jack had explained to Brad what had happened. She supposed she wasn't surprised. They'd been friends for a long time. She wondered if Jack had told Cora. Maybe she should lock her doors extra carefully, just in case. Cora seemed like the type to take revenge. That's not the point, Tess said. What is the point, then? Defending him in a murder case has to be a whole lot more interesting than doing torts or whatever you do there. And it's not like you need the money. Your family has more money. You know that I don't have any of my family's money. That's because you're pig-headed. None of this makes sense. When you were with me, you wanted love and all that garbage. Now you're willing to trash it for a bunch of backwater town clients? You can't always have what you want. I think you taught me that, Brad. Do you even know what you want, Tess? I want you to tell me where to send Jack's files. Brad sighed. How serious is the case against him? Do I need to get Fletcher? Fletcher Bly was a nationally known D.C. defense attorney famous for getting politicians out of legal trouble. He was probably more firepower than Jack needed at this time, but would definitely intimidate Jefferson Tavern Police and the Commonwealth's attorney. The case is weak, but he's at the top of the list. You don't really believe he killed... No, I don't. He said you did. I never said that. Tess said on an exasperated breath. He thought that up all on his own. Did you tell him otherwise? Are you going to get Fletcher? I can't believe I need Fletcher. Jack nearly fired me once for kicking in a fire ant hole. That guy cares more about life and earth than is normal. He'd never kill anyone. I know. But your cops down there think he did. I think they hope he did. What? What kind of cops are down there? They're police detectives and normally good. But this is a big case involving a prominent family. Asa wouldn't give anyone there the time of day. Yet they stand by him like he was a saint. He was preaching to the choir, but Tess declined to interrupt Brad's rant. Isn't there a crazy ex-wife and greedy kids? Sort of. But they are a distinguished family from a small town. But a good defense lawyer will keep Jack from being arrested unless something more tangible is discovered. I'll call Fletcher today. Tess let out a relieved breath that Brad was going to stop harping at her. When he's on board, let me know and I'll send up the files. She said. Can you send it up to us now? I think Derek is coming up in a day or two. Maybe he can courier it up. These are confidential papers. Tess reminded Brad. Jack trusts Derek. Brad paused. Or you can bring it up personally. I'm sure Jack would like that. Tess sighed. Brad was going to have to find another way to get his office back. Let me know about Derek. Right. Tess was about to end the call when Brad said, Tess, you know I didn't mean to hurt you. She really didn't want to get into that again. I don't think... Jack, he's not like me. I don't mean he's not gay. I mean, 
Brad. I'm just saying, maybe that fairy tale stuff can be true. We always said it was bunk, but maybe... I need to go now. Tess could feel her control slipping. Any minute she was going to blurt out that she was on her way to beg on her hands and knees. But what purpose would that serve? Just think about it. I can't. Chapter 31 Regina's call interrupted Tess as she put the finishing lines into the Goddard's divorce petition. As it turned out, people who were divorcing didn't seem to care very much that Tess had betrayed the Worthington family by representing Jack. She figured she should be pleased that there was work for her after all, but she couldn't imagine spending her life breaking apart families. Sarah Robinson and Agnes Beckett are here. They don't have an appointment. Tess frowned. Why would the Worthington staff be here? Send them in. Tess stood and moved around her desk to greet Sarah and Agnes as they entered her office. Agnes rushed forward, taking Tess's hand. I'm Miss Madison. Thank you so much for agreeing to see us. I know you're very busy and we just burst in like this. It's my pleasure. How can I help? Tess directed them to sit in the two chairs facing her desk. Agnes sat, crossing her ankles and folding her hands in her lap. It reminded Tess of the manner lessons she used to get from her mother. Sarah sat next to Agnes, but didn't have any of the daintiness. She looked every bit like a sullen teenager slouched in her chair. Clearly, she didn't want to be here. We hoped you could answer a question for us. Agnes said, I can try. Tess sat at her desk. Is it a legal question? What if he... Agnes started. This is one of those made-up questions. Sarah said. What are they called? Hypothetical. Offered Tess. Yes, hypothetical. Okay. Hypothetically. Agnes started again. What if a person wasn't completely honest with the police the night Mr. Worthington was killed? Tess felt the tingle of excitement. Was the truth about Philip's whereabouts about to come out? That would depend on how important that information was to the police and whether or not that person meant to deceive the police. Could they go to jail? Sarah tried to look nonchalant, but her body tensed and leaned forward slightly, waiting for Tess's answer. It's possible. The police could charge the person with obstruction of justice. Sarah's breath quickened as she looked to Agnes. Let's go. What if hypothetically, of course, Philip Worthington wasn't where he said he was or with who he said he was? Agnes patted Sarah's hand. Sarah was not reassured. She turned away from Agnes, crossing her arms in a huff. That would be information the police needed to know. Whether or not Philip went to jail would depend on why he lied and whether it's important to solving the case. Tess decided to pretend they were talking hypothetically about Philip instead of Sarah. Is Philip changing his story? Sarah slumped further in her chair. Not exactly. Agnes said, Sit up, girl, and act like the lady you want everyone to treat you as. She slapped the arm of Sarah's chair. You made this bed, now you've got to sleep in it. Now she knows. Sarah whined. Agnes turned back to Tess, who was trying to stay relaxed even though she felt jazzed by what Agnes and Sarah were telling her. Philip will probably deny it, so it will be Sarah's word against his. Agnes said, Not necessarily. Tess wanted to pick up her pen and take notes, but worried that would upset Sarah further. Another witness could corroborate Sarah's story. Really? Agnes looked hopeful. The detectives are going to want to know why Sarah didn't tell the truth sooner and whether the new account makes a difference to the case. That would be weighed against whether to accept the new story and whether to file charges. It won't make any difference. Sarah said, I'm a nobody. Let's just go. You're not nobody, Tess said sharply. And if you're telling the truth now, it could prevent an innocent man from going to jail. She knows it all now anyway. I suspected before you even showed up here, Tess admitted. You did? 
Tess nodded. I understand the difficult situation you're in. I think I can help you. But you have to decide whether or not to do the right thing. I want to do what's right. Sarah's voice sounded so young. Tess found herself getting angry at Philip for taking advantage of the young woman, putting her in a position that could land her in jail. Tess determined to not let that happen. Why don't we start by you telling me what really happened that night? Sarah looked to Agnes, who nodded. She took a breath. Philip was with me. When? After everyone finished dinner. Mr. Worthington went to his office. Philip met me in the pantry. The pantry? Why would you meet with him there? Sarah rolled her eyes and Tess could hear the underlying duh. We are together. Together as in? Sarah's expression gave the impression that she thought Tess was a little short on brain function. Sarah, I can guess what you're talking about, but it will be better for everyone if you spell it out for me. Together like in he's my boyfriend. How long have you been in a relationship with Philip Worthington? This time, Tess did pick up a pen and jotted down Sarah's statement. A year or so. Is Shelby Worthington aware of this? I didn't think so, but then I overheard her telling Philip off about it and how he needed to back up her story or she'd tell on him. Sarah's voice quivered. No one will believe me over her. I did, Agnes said. I do too. What do you mean Shelby would tell on him? I figured it was about me and him. I didn't want to lie, but Philip said I had to or it would cause problems. I'd be fired for being with him. I really need this job. He said you'd be fired. Tess felt Sarah's case grow stronger. He said I'd be let go. Does that mean anything? Agnes asked. It could help Sarah's case. Tess explained. She was coerced, threatened with the loss of her job. See, I told you Miss Madison could help. Agnes patted Sarah's hand again. After you were in the pantry, where did Philip go? Tess prodded. He left and went through the kitchen. Did you see him? Tess asked Agnes. No, but when my head is in the refrigerator, I can't see or hear a thing. It buzzes something awful. I told Mr. Worthington, rest his soul, it needed fixing, but he said as long as it kept the food cold, there was no reason. Why would he go through the kitchen and not the other way? Out to the hall and foyer? Tess wondered out loud. Sarah shrugged. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to steal some dessert. He does that. Agnes nodded. Now that you say that, I did notice a hole in the tray of tassies. I was sure I filled it, but when I went to serve it, some were missing. He loves the tassies. Do either of you know where the other people in the house were? Not what you've heard people tell you, but what you saw. I don't. Agnes said. I only saw Philip, and then I went to the kitchen. Agnes and Walter were there. So what should Sarah do? Agnes asked. I think we need to talk to Detective Johnson. Sarah tensed. I'll help you. Tess reassured her. I can call him now. Do you have time? Agnes checked her watch. Walter said he'd be back for us in an hour or so. No one is at the house at the moment since Mrs. Showalter is at the hospital with her husband, and the senator is back in Washington. Where are Philip and Shelby? Tess asked. They're back at their home in Westlake. Packing. Sarah rolled her eyes. Shelby is sure they'll be getting the house. Sarah. What? I heard her say that. Let me call Detective Johnson. Tess said. Detective Johnson wasn't thrilled about Tess's request, but he came to her office within 20 minutes. Tess had moved the ladies to the sofa and asked Regina to bring them coffee. She moved the chairs near her desk to face the sofa so she and Detective Johnson would have a place to sit as well. When he arrived, he listened to Sarah's story, every now and then casting a glance at Tess with a, do you believe this look? Even so, he was gentle with Sarah, even when he challenged her statements. This is very different from the statement you gave the night of the murder, or when I talked to you again this morning. He said, Tess was surprised to learn he'd questioned her that morning. 
She wanted to know what prompted that, but decided to wait until later to ask. Sarah cast a worried glance to Tess, who nodded. I was doing what Philip asked me to do, but then you said I had no alibi. I didn't want you to think I did it. So you changed your story? Sarah's worry made a turn towards panic as her voice went up an octave. I'm not making it up. What if I told you that even without an alibi, I wasn't thinking that you had anything to do with the murder? He asked. Sarah relaxed only slightly. I'm telling the truth now. He nodded. I'll need to compare your statement to those of the other witnesses. There's another witness whose statement supports Sarah's. Tess reminded him. His eyes darkened as if he didn't like her reminding him of how to do his job. I'll still need to check it out. They'll fire me. Sarah dropped her face into her hands. They can try, Tess said. But I think you have a good case for wrongful termination if they do. Case? Agnes asked. I can explain when Detective Johnson leaves. But if you're fired, I think we can get you a pretty good severance package to help you out until you find another job. Tess turned to the detective. I'll see you out. Once they were outside the office and out of earshot of Agnes and Sarah, Tess asked, So you believe her? Yes, but that doesn't mean Mr. Valentine is off the hook. Tess swallowed back the pain at the mention of his name. It's not looking too good for Shelby, though. I thought you wanted out of this case. Why are they here? So Daniel had talked to him. They just showed up. I couldn't not help. He nodded his understanding. I'll be in touch. Back in Tess's office, Agnes was reassuring Sarah that she'd made the right decision. Tess reached on her desk to pick up her business card. If you need me. She handed Sarah her card. Or if you have questions, give me a call. Sarah's eyes looked bleak. Tess smiled. If they let you go, you may have a lawsuit. Her comment didn't do much to reassure Sarah. She must really be in love with Philip. And I'll help you find a new job. Agnes said. The intercom buzzed. Mr. Jameson is here. Regina announced. Let him in, please. Tess responded. Does Walter know why you're here? Yes. Any chance he saw you and Philip Worthington in the pantry? I don't think so. He was bringing Mr. Worthington a drink and preparing the parlor. Sarah said, and checking on a sick guest, Tess remembered. Do you mind if I ask him about it? If you think it will help. Agnes said. Mr. Jameson. Tess held out her hand. He looked a little surprised, as if he never was treated as anything more than a butler no matter where he was. But he took her hand. Miss Madison. Would you mind if I asked you some questions about the night Mr. Worthington was killed? He looked at Agnes and Sarah. I don't know anything but what I already told the police. I understand, but it could help me in representing Sarah. I guess that would be all right. Do you want some coffee? Tess asked as she directed him to a chair vacated earlier by Detective Johnson. No, thank you. I'm just trying to get a sense of where everyone was in the house at the time of Mr. Worthington's murder. Tess explained. Can you tell me what you saw that night? Well, after dinner, Mr. Worthington went to his office. I went to the parlor to fetch him a drink. Do you know where everyone else headed? He shook his head. No, but I did hear him and Mr. Valentine arguing in his office. Do you know about what? Tess asked. Mr. Valentine was real angry about something. I figured it wasn't my place to butt in, so instead of going in, I went to check on you. Tess nodded, remembering he'd checked on her. After that, I went to the kitchen. Miss Agnes and Sarah were there. Both ladies nodded in agreement. After that, Mr. Valentine was in the foyer talking with Mr. Philip, saying someone had killed Mr. Asa. Do you know where Shelby was? Tess asked. I heard she was upstairs. Did you see her? No, ma'am. What about Mr. Showalter? I guess he went outside. He came through the front door while we was in the foyer. 
Why was Tom outside? And the senator. Walter's eyes darkened as he jumped from his seat. You don't think he had anything to do with the murder? Tess jerked back, surprised by his vehemence, until she remembered he'd witnessed the scene between her, Helen, and the senator just a few days earlier. No, I'm just wondering where he was. Maybe he saw something. If he did, he would have told the police. He gave a terse nod to Agnes and Sarah. We need to be getting back. Both ladies stood, wary of Walter's outburst. I'm sorry, Mr. Jameson. Tess offered. I was in no way implying the senator had something to do with Mr. Worthington's murder. The senator is a good man. He said. Yes. Tess agreed. Thank you for talking with me. Tess extended her hand, which Walter reluctantly took. We need to be going. He moved past Tess towards the door. Thank you, Miss Madison. Agnes said. You're welcome. Call me if you need me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode from Tales from the Heart. I hope you enjoyed it and that you will be back to find out what happens next. What is Tess going to do with this revelation that Sarah can corroborate Jack's story? To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, hit the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes are posted. Don't forget, you can get the ebook of Deadly Valentine free through my website, jennahart.com. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, this is Jenna Hart wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after.